0: Welcome, 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 welcome to the Blue J.B. Podcast. I'm Matt marinas and I'm joined tonight by my good friend, Jacob Padilla. And we are just past the point of, like, stunned awe <laughs> from what we just witnessed to to, to give you um, some kind of a reaction to Creighton's 72 69 overtime win over San Diego State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, Again, this team just continues to defy just every reasonable outcome you can map out in your mind for what you're seeing on the screen or what you're seeing in person. They're chasing the game the whole time against San Diego State. Turnovers are killing them, untimely offensive rebounds. They're just – they keep, you know, pulling within five or six, and then San Diego State stretches it back out again, and Creighton's just never quite close enough to make them sweat. And then all of a sudden, here they come again. You know, they get get through that five-point barrier down to four, and then, you know, they start getting – they start stringing stops together, Trey Alexander makes incredible reads off the bounce, makes some nice finishes inside. Defensive full court pressure uh, throws San Diego State off. Uh, they get the game to overtime. And then Alex, then Brian Colquhoun goes down with a knee injury. Alex O'Connell fouls out. They're chasing the game again because San Diego State scored first and they kept just answering each other back and forth. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, Keyshawn Pizel, who hadn't hardly played all night, is fresh off the bench cold for a call center. He comes in, uh, gets switched on a Trey Pulliam, who's basically San Diego State's point guard slash combo guard off the dribble. And he guards him from 30 feet in, swats him off the glass, grabs the ball, gives it to Trey Alexander, who goes down and gets a three-point play to give the Jays the lead. Uh, then Keyshawn Pizel gets a steal in midair after Trey Alexander made an incredible play, fighting over a screen to uh, deflect the ball away the way from San Diego State's best player, Matt Bradley, and Keyshawn splits a pair of free throws, San Diego State throws a desperate heave at 0.8, Trey Alexander tips it, ball dribbles away, and Creighton is off to the round of 32, inexplicably, but they're off to the round of 32. Jacob How, man? How did how how do these how do these guys continue to just take extreme gut punch after gut punch and respond? Like, how do they do that?
1: I have no idea Um, because you look at this game and all basically everything that you were worried about happening, like all of this team's like biggest weaknesses uh, and, and worst habits, they all showed up in a big way. Um, 20 turnovers or the two for two for 14 from three, 20 turnovers, obvious one bench point that the very last point of the game, like everything that you, everything that was wrong with this team, if like, obviously it's a good team, but all this team's flaws showed up in a big way in this game. And yet they somehow still overcame that to get the win. And I mean, you sit there watching that game, like, especially through the first half and you're like, Oh boy. One of these games because we've seen this this NCAA tournament performance from them before, basically before that that last uh, that run last year where they got the couple of wins. Seems like every single time they show up and they they play, they face a physical team, they can't handle the pressure, they can't handle the physicality, and they put up a terrible offensive performance and kind of bow out early in the tournament. And uh, this team is is different. Um, like I think. Like former point guard, Tyler uh, McKinney said, tweeted this, this Creighton team is different. Like this is a different Creighton. Um, And credit to all of those guys. You look at it double digits from all five starters, Uh, everybody. I mean, Kalkbrenner again was a huge force before he went down with the injury. Um, And, but the the key to the game was Trey Alexander down the stretch and he had seven of their 10 points in, in overtime. He um, finished with what 18 career high um, in the game. Uh, had and then had the big defensive plays late, like you, you mentioned, getting over the screen and then. I mean, they weren't going to score anyway, but getting that deflection at the end just kind of sealed it. Like a perfect end for this game for a guy that 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 the the go ahead and one was uh, an incredible play to finish that the the game at the end. Uh, of or the bucket at the end of regulation to get it to overtime, especially when the previous possession he had kind of botched it. He came free getting downhill, um, had a lane in the basket and jump stopped, allowed uh, uh, a rope to recover and then pump faked and went up right into him. No, not like he didn't get him off his feet or anything. Like he just completely misread the defender on that play and got his stuff swatted. And the very next play. He, no hesitation, got downhill, went up strong with, with, with a floater and put that thing in with a little bit of contact around him. Um, so just unbelievable finish to the game from him. And we've seen him do this multiple times now. Like he's not at a point where he's capable of controlling a game and being a star for, for 40 minutes a game. Like he's, he's, he's a true freshman playing college basketball for the first time. But man, he has put together some stretches of special, special basketball. Especially when Creighton has needed it most, and you know, he did tonight, it, and it carried him home. You're so you're so right too,
0: and and you know the crazy part is like, I, I just can't help but think everybody's like kind of watching this team with just like a, again we've done this, you know. I don't I don't know if it's like the media's fault that we keep, you know, looking for the finished product, and we know it's coming, you know, next year and beyond, and it's not this year, and we're kind of just like watching this year with an eye to the future, you know. But you're right. Like he's he's etched himself in with all the Blue Jay legends now. Like that performance tonight, what he did down the stretch of this game, as a true freshman, like he is he he is immortalized in Creighton lore now. You know what I mean? So, like he he could very well, and I'm just going to throw it out there, but he could very well not accomplish that the rest of his career and still solidify an all time moment for himself. That's how great what he did tonight down the stretch of that game on both ends of the floor in the winning moments. That's how great it was. And and it's crazy because I don't think anybody came into this season expecting that out of him and certainly not expecting it out of him, given the circumstances of him playing the primary point guard role um, in this type of game down the stretch of a season when he hardly did it you know, for the first two thirds of the season, that's the crazy part.
1: And that—that <laughs> that is the one kind of silver lining of the the Ryan Dem heart injury is you'd rather have them both and uh, have Trey continue to develop in his natural position. But kind of being thrown into the fire has forced him to grow up and to expand his game and to find new ways to help this team than he was previously. And it's, I mean, it's been up and down as you you would expect for a player out of position as a freshman playing against really good teams, really good defenses, but he's found a way to fight and to to kind of keep fighting through to, to impact these games at such a high level and to do what Creighton bottom line, Trey Alexander has done what Creighton has needed him to do to be successful since Ryan Nembhard went down. He's found a way he's uh, kind of adapted his game. To what the team needs from him, and has delivered in some big moments. Can I ask
0: you this? Can I ask you,
1: like, give me—I don't know if it's probably gonna
0: be tough to recall, but like, give me what if you can think about it. What went through your mind when you saw Nemhard go down, and you knew, like, as you tried to figure, like, okay, this is who's gonna play this role from now on. Like, as you knew it was Trey Alexander's show because Nemhard was. Probably, probably just suffered a season-ending injury for all intents and purposes, right? Before, you know, mm-hmm. do you remember at all what went
1: through your mind in terms of what you were expecting? <clears throat> uh, I, I wasn't. I, I tried not to think of, about what it would mean. To be honest with you, uh, I, I remember I was watching the game on my phone at at the Scut Gym between uh, district final games there, um, and like I, I saw it happen right away, and like it was hard to tell like what had happened, but the, the way like the, I believe it was Kevin Kugler on the call, right. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, just the way he reacted immediately. is like, Oh, this is bad. And he, and he could tell right away that um, it, it was, it was pretty serious. And I was like, Oh boy. So just based on his reaction, plus kind of looking back, you like, Oh yeah, that's, that that's it. <laughs> he, he's done for the season. Um, and I, I is, Mind immediately went to, not again. Like obviously, this team we've seen, we saw what happened. So you immediately thought every of
0: the, the kind of like the, the season derailed them. That's like, you want
1: yeah. To- well, I like just you kind of you think about the the Mo Watson season where you're a top ten team and then you basically play 500 ball the rest of the way, and um, and that's kind of the, the most direct I, I think comparison you can think of. Obviously, um, but this team a little bit more more well-rounded than that team and wins in different ways and uh, credit to them. And I I guess wasn't, uh, again, I'm watching on my phone doing some other things. I wasn't able to really lock in on the second half of that game. Um, I I was able to watch the end of it, but um, it was kind of in and out. So I didn't, I didn't quite see uh, the way that Trey did take over after Ryan went down and kind of Wade stepped up. So I didn't, didn't really have that like fresh in my mind, like, okay, this is, this is what's going to look like now. Um, but in subsequent games since then, you could kind of see, uh, him kind of stepping into that role and, and you can still see like their stretches where, yeah, this is, this is a guy that's kind of, you're probably asking him to do a little bit more than he's comfortable with at this point, but credit to him for kind of sticking with it and playing through whatever, um, kind of discomfort he may have, or, um, Whatever struggles he may go through, he keeps playing, and his teammates keep picking him up as well. Well, because the other, other
0: factor is like it's not, it's not the same Creighton. Like they're they're running, you know, in a basically an entirely different, I don't know, style with Trey at the one. And but I mean, it, it, I just like the first game against Providence wasn't pretty. You know, what I mean, nothing. It was an ugly offensive game from the Jays' perspective. They barely cracked fifty. Um. And, you know, it looked like ball pressure was going to be like like every team coming forward was going to be like, all right, Trey Alexander, you're the point guard now. Like, this is about to be the most uncomfortable, you know, end of the season that you're going to experience. And well, uh, that game went sideways on them. And it, you're, you're trying to think, like, how does this team respond? Because, you know, it looked like maybe adrenaline had carried them through the St. John's game to draw parallels to Mm -hmm. what the Creighton team did in 2017 when Watson went down at Xavier and they pulled that one out, right? So that kind of goes through your mind. It's like, well, you know, that season still ended up being – looking a lot different. Um, But I just don't – they just – I mean, they come back and then, like, they bring UConn into Omaha and they find a way to get it done. Uh, They battle Seton Hall to – to the wire and um, you know, lose a tough one at home, but it's like still, you're just like, you know, what they're he's all right, you know, like he's he's not an M word, but I don't necessarily know if he has to be. And then they go in the big yeah. east tournament, and you know, they're a few possessions away from you know, standing on that court with confetti underneath them. If, if Colin Gillespie doesn't do you know, some legendary fifth year, senior stuff, so um. But, but again, even all that was like, all right, the NCAA tournament is still a different animal. You know what I mean? You've seen, like, guys who are really comfortable in their own skin and with their what they're doing on the floor struggle when those lights come on. That's a different stage. You know what I mean? Just, I feel like you see a lot of guys come in to NCAA tournament games and play at a different speed than they've ever played during the season just because they get caught up in the moment and they just, like, they just lose themselves in it. You know what I mean? And it looked like that was happening tonight you know that Creighton was chasing San Diego State for the overwhelming majority of that game and when you're chasing a team that is also putting a lot of pressure on you defensively you're put you're just under a lot of pressure because you're stressing yourself out trying to be perfect and it's already difficult because of the way San Diego State defends you and then for them to be just down nine with two and a half minutes left and here they just the play after play, and they just would not quit. And yeah. and then for him to bring it home, it's like <laughs> it's just insane because he'll yeah. never be the PG one if everything goes according to plan health wise. The rest of his college career, he'll never be the PG one in a Creighton uniform again, right? Like, but he's got a that's what tournament win as the PG one, and his plays yeah. are directly responsible for it. And it's just insane and, to know that that's going to be always going to be a part of his story. It's just crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you mentioned about, like, the tournament and um, the, the nerves and all that. Man, Creighton was so out of it in, in the first yeah. half, particularly. And, uh, like, the offense, whatever, that, that's, that's San Diego State in large part. That's their ball pressure, and that's them being good at what they do. But defensively they were out of position all game long in the first half. And even in the second half, you saw like that uh, last possession or late possession, you had guys jumping at every ball fake and leaving their feet. And um, I think there was one play there where they uh, go. O'Connell off his feet and then Hawkins or Kalkbrenner off his feet and guys just so jumpy and um, guys were chasing. And obviously um, how many and ones did they, they give up uh, particularly to the one dude who, Seemed like he had a seizure every time he tried to take a shot, um, but it just—they weren't smart. It wasn't like hey, this—this this wasn't the team defensively, in particular, that um, they had been. And credit to them for cleaning that up down the stretch, especially in overtime. That they, uh, San Diego State scored on their first three possessions, um, and yeah. then didn't make another shot the rest of overtime. They didn't score the last two minutes, the last three minutes of overtime. Um, they went 0 for 4, 1 for 3 from the free throw line with turnover. Mm-hmm. And again, didn't score in the last two. And a little bit of that was luck. Had, had a couple of layups for him out there for San Diego State that easily could have gone down. But um, them's the breaks. I mean, how many bunnies did Creighton have uh, kind of slipped their fingers or um, just weren't able to finish on the other end? So, yeah. um credit to Creighton for settling in and finding way. Cause like you said, they were out of sorts on both ends of the uh, both ends of the court early on, but they put it together just in time to make that last run. And then held it together despite the injury to call Brenner, despite uh, O'Connell fouling out, which I didn't, didn't really understand being that aggressive in your full court press when you have four fouls and it's a two point game with two minutes to go. Um, but it, it worked out. They missed free throw and, um, had Rati step in and finish out the game, and they ended up making the, the plays to win it. Um, so credit to Creighton for finding a way to kind of lock back in at the last possible moment uh, and make the run. Yeah.
0: And honestly, Alex Clown deserves a lot of credit too, because I don't remember exactly what when it when happened in the second half, but I know it was like there was, it was, it, there was at least 10 minutes left. Um, and I just started noticing he was starting to make plays like a senior who does not want to end his career tonight. And I think, you know, that was something I talked to him about before they left for Fort Worth. Is just, you know, what's your, what's your mindset going into this? You know, like no one expected you to be here. No one expected you guys to be playing Nova in the Big East Championship, and you know, and you guys were like. You know, from all accounts, like, we, you know, we were told that the locker room after Villanova was just, you know, incredibly emotional, like, maybe more emotional than anybody on the coaching staff was expecting it to be, including Greg McDermott. Um, but it just kind of shows you, like, this team doesn't really – like, they didn't really buy into the idea that this was, like, a low-expectation um, rebuilding year where they could just kind of – you know, set the framework for what the future of these, you know, young freshmen were going to be. Like, I think people forgot, honestly, a little bit about Alex O'Connell's story a little bit. And and I wrote about it before this game. He, this was his, like, this was his year. This was the year he set his sights on when he came to Creighton. You know what I mean? And he invested a lot in it. Like he, I mean, he didn't really, he didn't want to play in 2021. You know, he kind of wanted to use that as a buildup year to get himself primed and ready for what was going to be like a, a, you know, he was going to hit the ground running and prove that he was the type of player that that could play a major role for a team that was successful and that he could help lead that, that, that endeavor. Um, he didn't get that chance at Duke, and he was looking for that opportunity here. And he invested a lot in this season. So it kind of got lost a little bit quite a bit, actually, in in the future of Kalkbender, Trey, uh, R2, R, like, Christophilus, Mason Miller with, you know, red shirting and kind of getting um, some praise from Mac in the preseason that he was going to be, you know, he's going to have a bright future. He's just not ready now. Like, everybody kind of just uses this as kind of like a, you know, everything's gravy this year. Like, there are no expectations. Just build up and get better and, you know, look better and December, then you were in November, and then January, then you were in December, and so on, and make sure in March that you're, you know, hitting your stride and ready to have a good offseason to build on. So and you know, guys like Alex O'Connell, Keyshawn Fiesel, and Ryan Hawkins were like, hey, you know, this is our last chance. Like the future is bright, but the present is important to us. We have a sense of urgency. And I thought Alex O'Connell played with an extreme sense of urgency in the second half down the stretch of that game because he was making the plays that Creighton needed to make to keep the pulse bouncing. You know what I mean? Like it maybe not have been, it wasn't like a, there was no, maybe a pinnacle play where that had that changed the trajectory of the game, but he kept making the plays that just gave Creighton hope. You know what I mean? Every time State yeah. was like about to get away from him, Alex would make a play and it's like, that guy doesn't want to go out right now. Like, I can see yeah. it. I can tell it's coming off the screen that
1: way. Yeah. And that's what this run largely is about. Obviously, it's gaining experience for the young guys that you feel are going to be here long term. But this is the last chance for Alex O'Connell, uh, bounce back from a big program who wanted to, to, to take control of his career and uh, do, do something different. It um, For a, a guy like Ryan Hawkins, who wanted to step up and prove to himself that he could play at the highest level. Um, a guy like um, Keyshawn Fiesel, who uh, last season spent kind of a starter and a, a key, play, key player for a low major team, is like, I want to go be part of something bigger. I want to play my role on, on a team that has a chance to do some things. So it, it really is for these three seniors who you know aren't going to be back next year. This is their last chance. This will be the only tournament they get a play in. And um uh, obviously uh, O'Connell, different story there, but um, in this role, this is the only chance and credit to him. You mentioned 11 points four seven shooting in the second half had that huge three, in um, the, the out of timeout play that yeah. Matt drew up and you trusted him dude couldn't throw it in the ocean. Obviously he had a good game last time, but the first two in New York were really rough. Right. And then the third or no, it was uh, first game he really rough and had struggled ever since uh, he had the, the really big game and then i think he in the providence game he hit some shots but um, anyway he um oh, oh for one from three in the first half four points on four shots um so two assists two turnovers second half um uh, like i said 11 points four seven shooting hit that huge three hit both his free throws did not turn the ball over in the second half played every every minute and so he just came up huge when they need him most and it, it I, I'm glad that Hawkins too will get a, another chance to kind of go out. Like I, I'm glad that he, because he had a rough one. Um, yeah. Typically, and that's another thing that makes this win all that more important. This season, they've largely gone as Ryan Hawkins has gone. Right. And he. That was another really crazy part of the game. night, wasn't it? Like. Oh, for three. From normally, normally, you can yeah. you
0: can like tell if it's a double or an l. By how, like, how Hawk is producing, right? Like, how efficient he's playing. And again, they won tonight, and it might have been his worst game of the year
1: six turnovers, uh, <laughs> 0 for 3 from three, 10 points on 11 shots, and three free throws. So, a, uh, and, and they won front end, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they still managed to, to win Kaluma. Obviously, the, the brother kind of storyline was. The big one going in for the, the TV. And it was the going TV. in and during the whole time. Yeah, and
0: throughout, yeah. Throughout uh, the 40, uh,
1: this 45 minutes. I, yeah, I, I'm trying to, you might want to check. Did they put down, like in the, the media notes, little brother Arthur Kluma? Because I'm pretty sure I didn't hear his name without the little brother attached <laughs> at the front on, on the TV broadcast. I'm um, not I, sure. I, I don't think I, that I, <laughs> Okay, okay. I I was wondering there, like if I need to make a note for my own uh, personal knowledge or something. I don't think that's part
0: of his name,
1: but (laughs) he, man, again, he had three of ten from the field, one of six from three, five turnovers. But he was part of that, um, getting that steal at the end. That they,
0: yeah, what a weird sequence, too, because like. For, forget the, <laughs> forget the, forget the moment like that. I mean, he first of all he got he got fouled on the second attempt. Oh right? yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? so and that, that happened. I on Lodge the very was first two block shots in a row. But when right. they were going through the replay sequences, I'm like, that's all arm, that's all forearm, and so that's a foul. On the very
1: first, on the yeah. very first play of the game, the same thing like uh, when Calkbrenner got blocked. It's mm-hmm. Like he Mesa did not touch the ball, yeah, He no, had no, no. his entire all, arm. All
0: yeah, it, yeah, yeah,
1: And they called it a block. I'm like, But what? then
0: but then but then Kaluma gets the steel during the during the freaky timeout thing. And he lays that in to tie of the game. And it's like you're you're taking points off the board if you yeah. grant this little wishy-washy timeout with the ball spinning in the air situation. And they did that, and it's like granted it all worked out for Creighton, but they botched two pretty major situations there in a row within like within a span of like a second basically and it's just yeah. like what a weird what a weird sequence that was for the officials
1: yeah that that was yeah that that was bizarre ultimately they got it as right as they possibly could have in that situation and yeah. Trey Alexander made up for yeah. them taking the points off the board and it ran more time off the clock oh. play by Trey too like
0: the stick to is that is that an old school word right like yeah yeah you know cuz he he definitely got himself caught in no man's land when he had his man beat it first and didn't attack it right and then kind of reset and got downhill again and finished it like that's well, and, that's and, pretty incredible poise to know you screwed it up the first time and to yeah, kind of yeah. reset it for yourself and to execute well, it
1: again, you know and that's what i was talking about earlier in the previous possession he did screw up and yeah. he had a chance to go score and just played it wrong and mm-hmm. To come back down on the next possession and uh, kind of like have the confidence. I'm going to go this time. I'm going to make the play, and he he certainly did. And and again, it, it was not an easy floater. He had a little bit of pressure on his hip. He kind of ran into a body uh, as he let the ball go uh, inside, and still managed to get that thing in there. And um, that that is he's I was wondering, like coming into it, I I hadn't seen. Obviously, he was kind of the late addition to the class <clears throat> i hadn't seen a ton on him obviously we knew kind of what like a lot of the other guys in the class like their defining characteristics coming in mm-hmm. trey was the one like i didn't really have a good feel for what his game was what he could be for this team um, and it's been kind of cool to see like to learn that like in in the moment as he's getting a chance to kind of find his own self
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the way that he can impact this game and just kind of see the the, the mid-range game, the little in-between game, obviously the three ball isn't there yet, um, right. but it's kind of finding the, in the, the ways that he can score the ball and uh, obviously defensively, he, he's been really impressive. So um, it's been cool to kind of see him blossom and figure out, okay, so this is, this is what he does. This is kind of his defining characteristics as a player.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that I think stood out in preseason, and I know we talked a lot about Trey tonight, but I mean, the
1: man took it home. Um,
0: you know, in preseason practices and the looks we were able to get in the gym at him, like, you could see, like, the the characteristics that we're standing now on a consistent basis from from, you know, practice to practice. we like, you know, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes with the ball. He's got great poise. He can read the game, like, he can slow it down for himself and see things developing. Um, but he doesn't play at a crazy pace either. So, like, You can kind of understand why Creighton is more of a patient, deliberate, excuse me, offense with him running the show. Um, And then defensively, you saw the tools, like, especially fighting over screens, which is funny because it came into play again on the most important play for San Diego State tonight. Like, fighting over screens is something he did a really good job at in the preseason, just because of his length, his foot quickness, and his, you know, he's got enough strength to just like, I don't know. He's just tough enough to, to get through it. You know, he's not strong enough yet. Uh, that's going to come later. But the play he made on Bradley tonight on basically San Diego State's last, you know, real possession. Uh, that's a play he made a lot in the preseason. Like, so I don't think it was something he was uncomfortable doing. Like when he knew, you know, this is something I have to get over. I can't, you know, I can't be late. I can't be chasing. I can't be, I can't go under it. Like I have to fight over this thing and, and affect this play as much as I possibly can. I can't say watching it that I was surprised because that's something he's been doing uh, since preseason practice. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, how to explain why he's, why he's that good at that stuff right now, but it's been there since day one and it's hard to imagine it just goes away. So I imagine he's only going to get more disruptive with it as his career goes on and as he gets stronger and quicker um, and smarter. Like, he's going to learn more tricks of the game and learn how to do that stuff um, easier, you know, how to set it up. So, yeah, man, he's <laughs> – he's, you can tell he's a coach's kid because he knows how to play, you know.
1: like and that's, that's not – that's not an easy play to make either um, to, to get – especially in the bonus like that's a real risky play to be that kind of physical um with with the guy there and on the one hand you could think oh there's no way the rest are going to call this but uh, on the other like they, they called the one on o'connell uh the kind of because he kind of had the arm in there um with a little arm bar right um, um i missed that earlier yeah oh, yeah um, and so like to, <clears throat> but like you have to beat that screen to the point where you're not reaching and grabbing that you're there with the ball handler mm. to so that, that kind of contact is allowed because you're there with him it wasn't you're not reaching out and grabbing him from behind from being out of position That that's such a tough play to make and you got to be tough you got to get through that contact uh, and he did it enough and um, put himself in a position where he could make that play um, I this is this is not Trey this is more my frustrations than I've voiced it before but it ended up working out but I hated the way they handled their last offensive possession where you got a two-point lead Um, there's what like 15 second differential between the game and shot clock at that point go get a bucket don't worry about eking or sapping every single second off the shot clock you can because They're going to get the ball, unless you get an offensive rebound, they're going to get the ball back with plenty of time to go make a a play. So at that point, I'd rather go for the win, go get for the the bucket that puts you up. They handled it about as worse as they possibly could have, and they got really lucky that, uh, I forgot, was it Pulliam or whoever missed the the layup? Because to run the clock down and shoot a three that Trey uh, ended up getting blocked because they're like, well, they know he's pulling this now. There's no time left on the clock it was basically essentially a live ball turnover at half court and credit to to them running back. But really they just missed a layup and they missed a tip in that could have tied the ball. So that's kind of a frustration that I've had with Creighton on multiple. Uh, This is kind of more philosophy and Mac coaching style. I mean, there's a lot of things that Mac has been criticized for over the years. And most of the time uh, I, I I, uh, object to a lot of that stuff. But this is one I really don't understand. Like, just go run your best set. Go get a bucket and put the game over. Don't, don't worry about trying to run out the clock when you can't. Um, so that, was, that particular moment was really stressful for me and frustrating for me. But so, and, and that's where even, it, it takes a little bit of luck to pull off a win like this. And Creighton got just enough luck to go with their determination, their grittiness t- to get the win.
0: Um, yeah, you can tell Jacob is a young, you know, coach in the game because he wants to finish that on a criticism. Um, so my next, my next question for you is, uh, and we'll both, we'll both tackle this, but I want you to swing at it first before we get to our uh, – let's see what we got for Twitter questions. Um,
1: how long have you been following the Jays? Uh, mid-2000s. Okay, so you got a little
0: bit of a catalog there right yeah there's some there's some moments that you think of fondly right
1: yeah yeah pretty good i'm bad at like thinking of things on the spot but for the most part yeah i, I mean i've
0: I well I just uh, you know i say that to cuz i'm curious like where this where this win lands for you just however you want to describe it where where does it belong in
1: your in your timeline yeah, that, that's yeah, that's tough. Um, that, again, this is where I, I struggle with trying to uh, collect my thoughts and organize them, like, in, in the moment. Um, I don't have a ready-made, like, list of, oh, these are the best, biggest wins, all that stuff that I've been a part of. Um, it's still the, the most memorable game, like, for me, is probably the Doug McDermott Senior Day, just being in that environment and being there to kind of witness that history mm-hmm. um, and – The level of play by him and and the team in that game like that's always the first like game that comes to mind for like what's the the best game you've been at in terms of best win i i it's it's tough because there are things that go obviously it's an eight nine game so it's not like you're uh what was it like maybe a two point two two and a half somewhere in that range um the spread I think going into it yeah. uh, last I'd heard so yeah it's not like this is Creighton taking on Duke or whatever where you're a massive underdog here where you just find a way to get it done largely they were playing from behind because of they played really bad basketball for mm. long stretches of the game so they kind of did that to themselves this wasn't a game where they were outmatched and they found a way to get it done
0: I don't know um, I sound like a coach again
1: <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand. Again, losing <clears throat> Kalkbrenner, and we'll have to, But before we get out of here, I'm sure we'll have to hit on that and what that means and all that, but mm-hmm. to lose Kalkbrenner, to lose O'Connell, and to be able to finish this game out, to trail with, uh, what was it, nine, seven points or whatever with two minutes to go, um, and, and to make every right play down the stretch to get it done, um, this definitely goes up there. Uh, I Again, I... I, I I don't have a definitive list for you in terms of, all right, this, this is the one that's definitely number one. This is number two. And um, that's something that I'd have to sit down and kind of look over the game logs and kind of refresh myself, uh, my memory. But uh, this, this this definitely goes up there. And I think you you tweeted about it, just like bar none, this is the toughest team that uh, that you've ever seen play. And I definitely would have to echo that. You've seen some, some, teams where there have been some really tough guys on the team, mm. but never before has the identity been um, to this like where it's up and down the lineup. you got guys that are feeding off of each other. Off, everybody is making those gritty, tough plays when they need it, when it's their turn to step up. Again, like you mentioned, even Keyshawn Fizel coming in and uh, getting that block or forcing that miss or whatever um, when you needed him out there and, and then to secure the steal to be involved in that. Like, mm-hmm. this is a guy that um, you really couldn't play uh, for a long stretches of the game, but he came in there and made a couple of big plays and was a, a big part of them finishing this game off. So um, yeah. There. I, I, I should, I should have Robbie and you on at the same time to talk about
0: that for a little bit, but he's, <laughs> he's busy. So he ducked, he ducked that, but dub yeah. for Matt, yeah. dub for Matt on that one.
1: Uh, we've, that's that's called the let's call the last laugh. I'm I, not giving you a dub because. Come on, Jacob, you know, give me something. No, like he he made we never said that he was incapable of making plays. Well, he made some plays. I think that, the words "unplayable" were used quite often to describe. He's been unplayable quite often this season.
0: Yeah, well, Trey Pulliam's shot off the glass was unplayable, according to Keyshawn Vizelle. So,
1: <laughs> like I said, uh, even the the least likely. Candidate to step up and make a huge play was capable of doing it. We, obviously, right. we've seen Roddy make those plays this season, despite mm-hmm. kind of all the struggles that he's come to. He, he sealed through. the Marquette game
0: with the kind of play you hate to death.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, those are, again, guys that Mac had struggled to find extended playing time for and that it's had to bench multiple times uh, because of struggles, but they've stuck with it. They continue to buy into the team. And when they've when they've gotten the chance, they've come up big on multiple occasions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, same question for me, I guess, uh, since I introduced the topic. is like, you know, it's in our in our profession, we have to figure out ways to describe things and try to be original and fresh when we do, right? Um, so it gets difficult the longer you've done it because you have to eventually recycle some um descriptors don't you so you got to be real careful which like you are right now in, in going to extreme places with your <clears throat> with your description but i just like i know i've been watching uh creighton for a long time you know and i started with rick johnson <laughs> started with his first year. i missed the tony baroni era and started with the first year of rick johnson and, and
1: it's been an upward climb since um i, I sat next uh, to tony baroni at a game one time when i was did you? covering the team yeah he was here yeah. for the scouting for the grizzlies okay <laughs> that was good. that was interesting <laughs> nice yeah so uh
0: yeah it's it's been interesting but and then and, and like there's just always been there's always been guys who kind of get credit for being the pillars you know like Dana would always refer to like the Sears Walker era as just like the rock, the foundational pieces of what, you know, allowed Creighton to take off, you know, in his, in his time, in his tenure um, and become one of the top, uh, you know, mid majors in the country for, uh, you know, many years running before Matt came in and, you know, jump-started the car and got it to the Big East, and now it's, like, launched it into a national, um, a nationally respected program. Um, but I just, like, I think about tonight, and it's not just tonight. Like, I, I know that, like, you know, when I tweeted out, what I tweeted out, what I'm about to say right now can, like, be construed as um, being a prisoner of the moment in some regard, Right. And, and to a degree, I'm very guilty of that on multiple occasions just because you get caught up in the moment and you try to, like, process it and, you know, you want to have some kind of opinion on it. Um, but I just, like, it's not just tonight. It is tonight, but it's not just tonight at the same time. Like, I just don't know a team that Creighton has had that can handle what they've had to handle in terms of, you know... The adversity in season, in game, being young, being inexperienced, having new pieces all around you and trying to come together. Um, Cause even their seniors aren't like experienced in their roles, right? Like Ryan Hawkins has experience, but it's not at this level. Alex O'Connell has experience, but it's in a different role. Uh, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Fiesel has experience, but it's not at this level. Uh Sharif Mitchell was the most experienced guy at this level, but he missed the whole season. Basically, didn't play. He hasn't played since early December. hasn't practiced since early December. Um, Ryan Calkbender was a you know twelve to fifteen minute a game backup center last year, and now he's the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, then you factor in all these freshmen, and now you factor, and then and then you factor in losing Reef early. Losing them hardly. Uh, and then you jump start, and then you watch their run in the Big East tournament. And then you jump start, you jump jump ahead to tonight, and they're chasing San Diego the whole time. They're playing terribly. They, they keep shooting themselves in the foot um, to the point where you're wondering how many feet they actually have because they've shot themselves so many times. Uh, and then Kaufmann goes down. Then O'Connell fouls out. <laughs> and you're like, then you're, you know, Arthur Colum was at four fouls. And you're just like, do they even. Alexander's at four fouls eh? we do this fourth foul at the 16-minute mark and sat most of the second half. Arthur Kaluma's out there playing with four fouls. Like you're wondering, like, do they gonna have enough players to even finish this game? Like, I don't even what's the point at some point, you know? And when Kalkwinner went down, you're just like, you know, you're kind of thinking to yourself, and this is weird to say, but it's like, when you if you win that game, what are you, you know, what are you looking forward to on Saturday? Because I, you know, just for just for the record. Kansas is up by 28 points on Texas Southern, so that's likely facing Creighton next. Is Can- the number one seed Kansas, who, you know, without Ryan And it's like, uh, you know, what are you playing for? And it's like they just play for each other. They're just they're playing for each other. They're playing for Creighton. They're playing for Mac. Uh, they're playing for all the guys like on the team. Um, it just means a lot to them for some reason, and it means enough to them to drive them. To be just absolute bulldogs, just ruthless when the game's being decided, and they're like they refuse to go down. Um, they won't quit. They won't fade away. They're just they're just going there. If you're gonna beat them, you got to beat them. But they're not gonna go away. They're not going down. Like that. And they just find a way to do it. Like there has not been a tougher team that has put on a Creighton jersey in the. I mean, it's. You know, early 90s. So, what's 30 years now watching this team, watching this program? I just, I don't, I don't even know who compares. You know, it's not like that because it's not like, you know, there's, there's teams that have been tough. There's teams that have had tough dudes on it, but there's, there's never been a team that's had to go through what this team has gone through and been successful. You know what I mean? Usually it's like there's a, there's a, there's a wall eventually they hit you know, and you understand why they hit that wall because there's only so many so much you can overcome. This team has kind of rewritten that a little bit. Like, oh, you know, but they keep overcoming things I don't think that they should be capable of overcoming, and yet they do it. And I, yeah. you know, and we know for a fact how hard it is for to win an NCAA tournament game because we've seen patent teams that have gone into NCAA tournament games with a lot of potential to make deep runs and not do it, right? So we know how difficult that is. So for them to do that tonight... Against a team that's built on toughness, that's the other part of it too. San Diego mm-hmm. State's like one non-negotiable is be the tougher team. We don't care how pretty it looks; just be tougher, and we'll find and it'll be successful. That's what their program is built on. It's been built on that for a long time. And Creighton out-toughed them, undermanned, under-experienced. I don't know how many San Diego State has like seven, six or seven seniors in their main rotation. Like those were grown men. Creighton was playing tonight and they found a way to do it. Like This is the, the flat-out toughest team I've ever seen in a crazy
1: yeah. game. And we talked about the defensive effort down the final three minutes of overtime, and that was after Kalkbrenner went out. Yeah. And we talked about how many defensive mistakes they made earlier in the game, but when the game was on the line, even without their backbone, they locked down and um, made the plays that they needed to to finish it off. And I, again, it's, at this point, like, Expectations are like at zero for th- this next game. You're playing a number one seed that is kind of finding their groove without arguably your best player. And I think at this point nobody expects Kulk Brenner to be back right now. We're just worried about next season and when um he, he might return to health. Um just kind of fingers crossed that it's not as serious as it looked like it might have been. Yeah. But, like, yeah, at this, they've already – I mean, Creighton's already said, like, it's definitely an injury and they're not expecting to be able to play on Saturday. So, um, we know they're going to have to play without him. It's it's going to be heavy minutes for all their guys. Uh, they're going to probably – I mean, I'm sure Fiesel will probably get the start, but they're probably going to have to play uh, a lot smaller where you're playing with the – with Hawkins and um, – Columa as the bigs uh, with three guards a lot of time because now you're down to um, – basically you only played seven guys. Now you're down to six. Um,
0: yeah. God, dude, look at I'm, – I'm just – before we jump into questions here too, also, yeah, we, I, you wanted to talk about Calkman a little bit. I don't really like speculating, so I'm not going to do that. But if you wanted to opine on it, you can certainly do that. Um, you know, Arkansas beat Vermont by four. UCLA is up one – on Akron with 206 to go, Murray State and San Francisco are it's a three-point game with eight minutes left. Uh, Saint Peter's, a 15 seed, beat Kentucky, who a lot of people were picking to win the national championship. You with me? Yeah. Sorry, the internet went out at the hotel for a second. Um, what was the last thing you heard me say? <laughs> uh,
1: I. I don't remember. I was just talking about uh, not having Brenner and just w- what that was going to mean for the team moving forward. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I was just, well,
0: basically then I was just, I started, as soon as you said that, I was starting to run down uh, just a real quick point on like, you know, Arkansas beat Vermont by four tonight. Uh, UCLA-Akron is a one-point game with 90 seconds left in regulation. Um St. Peter's made, you know, one of the biggest upsets in tourney history beating the Kentucky team that a lot of people had winning the national championship. Um, you know, New Mexico State, shout out. Teddy Allen dropped a 37-37 uh, ball on UConn, and they're done. Uh, 30 buckets. Yeah, like Richmond beat the hottest team in the country, right? Like, a lot of people were picking Iowa to go to the final four, weren't they? Like, that was a trendy – You know, the Hawkeyes are the hottest team, right? To go far in Richmond, they're one and done with a lot of experience. And Richmond's like, well, sorry, you know, we're here too. Um, It's just like one of those, you know, this tournament is hard. It's hard to win games in this tournament. And the fact that Creighton did it under the odds, uh, under the
1: circumstances they faced tonight is just just, just, incredible. Shout out to uh, one shout out to one time crate target tiger Campbell for hitting a dagger from the logo
0: <laughs> to really?
1: use up five. I'm still watching two on the Kansas. shot clock, let it go, and uh, yeah, put him up five with a little over a minute to play. Wow. So big shot.
0: I'm still watching KU for some reason,
1: trying to study at the same time. Um that's yeah, a 31 point game. I'm not sure how much you people able to learn. <laughs> well it's just- Kansas is really good.
0: <laughs> I'm learning, that's that's confirmed. Um, yeah, I, I don't really I don't know much on Calkbender's injury tonight specifically, other than you know we all saw it what it looked like and we all saw how much pain he was in and how you know <laughs> it's never a good thing when Max on the ground with a player like it. historically speaking that's been bad bad news right so um, we're just going to assume that since it's, you know, he's, he was in a wheelchair in the locker room after the game. So it's not like he, you know, got over it and started putting weight on it again. So non-weight bearing injuries to, uh, you know, from non-contact incidents usually aren't, uh, don't bode well. So, Use that information which we all know as fact too
1: was it was it non-contact because um, like the yeah, I mean, like, he, defender fell into his leg and he hit the ground pretty hard and then he got up and then realized oh wait there's something wrong and hit the ground again
0: I, I, there's some, like, his, 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 the way he was being backed into I think there was like a little bit of a strain on it you know and that's yeah. probably where it happened I don't think he
1: heard it hitting the ground. Um, which is unfortunate I mean, because that would, would have been the best case scenario. Like right, yeah. It's patella just little, patella yeah. or something that exactly, it, exactly. three to six months and
0: you're back. Yeah. But like yeah. the, when they showed the slow mo, which I hate that they do, but I was watching. So y- you can see that there's like some strain on the way his, you know, that his leg is kind of like, you know, as he's bending over, trying to get that ball, uh, he's being kind of blocked out from it. His leg is kind of like, you know, his foot is stuck in one direction, his leg's stuck in another. So. Just enough strain to lead to what we saw, right? So, you know, and he, I don't think he, I don't know if he felt it right away. He kind of got up and started to uh, try to make his way down court. And the first step he took, mm-hmm. he felt it. So, um, yeah, very sad, very unfortunate. Um, Cause he's a, he's an awesome kid. Like, uh, and he's had a hell of a season. Like, you just feel really bad that. Um, if it is uh, the dreaded three letters that um, you just hope it's, you know, he can make a full recovery because he's got a lot of potential and he works really hard and he's a really great teammate and he's a really great dude. And just That's, that's the shitty part of sports is watching good people have to, you know, it's 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 bad because it's, it's part of their story, and it becomes like an admirable part of their story because they do eventually overcome to some degree, and it, it's like a, you know, it becomes a little bit of an inspiration. But you also just hate it because you know they have to go through hell to get back. So, um, for that, from that perspective, it's really unfortunate, um, and you know, hopefully hopefully he makes a full recovery like uh like many before him have um uh yeah should we jump into questions here See, i, I should turn to this accurate ucla game shouldn't i uh, well, oh yeah it's a two point
1: game 25 seconds left I, I don't know why we're like talking about a game that people will that it will be long over by the time that people listen to this so hey i'm just trying to
0: watch something fun right
1: yeah, you can probably flip it on and we can go, keep going with the questions because it's fine out right now anyway. Oh, he's just got to
0: be on my case. Um, all right, let's see. Oh. Okay, so first question. <clears throat> um, out of all the teams you've watched slash covered, which is your favorite? I think this team is my favorite right up there with 1920. So a little bit of recency bias there from uh, Nick Wonder. Um Jacob, former Craytonian, longtime follower of the Jays. Uh, which team is your favorite? Oof, man, that he's asking you <laughs> flat out, sir. You gotta give an answer.
1: That's <laughs> that's tough. Um man. That I mean. Doug's senior year that that season was pretty boring, spectacular. boring answer. That, that was <laughs> I'm the cl- just kidding. that's an incredible year. That's, and that's the one that I was closest. like year? I was, what year was that for you? What
0: year were you? In my, my junior
1: year? Okay Yeah so, so um, yeah, because that was the like obviously what I do now and what I've been, like I'm not able to be locked in every single game, and I'm watching every game going to every home game or anything. So like that year I was locked in, I was there for every game, um, or most of them anyway. And, um, so I was there kind of the whole season watching all the games. And so I was kind of a little bit more connected that one, obviously around the team and talking, interviewing coaches and players. So a little bit different, like when you're covering a team versus when you're just kind of a fan. And especially now, again, like I'm, I watch as many games as I possibly can, but sometimes the schedule doesn't line up. So, um, that's probably my answer um, but especially too because I, I like pretty basketball like this one this team has won me over with its grit and toughness but in terms of like enjoyable product
0: preferable style
1: yeah it's like I mean that the the mo Watson the mo Watson Justin Patton team obviously for the half season that we got of it I yeah. love pick and roll basketball like Steve Nash amar Sadmir that's kind of when I fell in love with the game. So that half season was really, really fun for me to watch because they were so good uh, in that particular area and so good offensively with you know, shooters around them and, um, and guy like Kyrie Thomas that I knew from high school um, on the team and Justin as well. And um, so like, that's, that one's up there too. Uh, just again, personal connections, plus the, the style of play. So it's, it's really that they're, they've, all these teams have been so like distinctly different and unique, like the the kind of variations. <coughs> this yeah. one last year too, like just seeing all of it come together. This the build up from the previous two three seasons, seeing all these guys are now they're all seniors, they're all veterans. I would see Marcus was uh, a junior, but we knew most likely he wasn't coming back. So to see them come together and then finally be able to get those two tournament runs, man, like how how can you not pick that team as well? So it's kind of it's a really tough question to answer because all these teams um, are so memorable for very different reasons, especially kind of, again, with the personal um, kind of unique to, to you in terms of what I was as a fan, as a, as a journalist covering the team, like um, just had different connections uh, to, to each of these kind of teams over the last handful of years.
0: Yeah. Um, a side question for you. Is it weird that I'm, getting a little tired of, like, broadcasts constantly reverting back to, like, this is the Creighton Blue Jays. Doug McDermott used to play for them. Like, again, we mentioned right off the top of the broadcast tonight, they got in, like, a Doug McDermott reference. And I'm just like, there have been so many good players since Doug left. Like, when do we stop doing that? I'm just curious. Is it weird that I'm – getting annoyed by that a little bit
1: or well i not? see i i take the trade-off of all right you can keep referencing doug as long as you don't call him the coach like yeah you can stop doing if we can stop doing, my, can can stop doing separate, that separate yeah I'm i'll saying, live I'm, with the doug reference that's
0: just and that's I, just ridiculous i don't understand and it. it's i, I was te- when i was texting jahenz this the other day and i was like i, I i'm like if i think gus like as i was we were watching the big east uh championship game i was like I'm pretty sure Gus and Jim Jackson have mentioned Doug and Ethan more than they've mentioned any current Jay on this, in this game. And he's like, Hey man, I'll take all the love. Like I was like, I'm just like <laughs> yeah, but can we like, can we jump to the present sometime or at least talk about like the recent past? Like Marcus, he yeah. was a baller. Child, I thought it was a baller. Mitch Ballack was shooting shots. Ethan wasn't shooting. Like, when do we, when do we like move on to give love to like, you know what I mean? Like, why, why, yeah. why is it always... Creighton's been in the NCAA tournament how many times since Doug left? When does that become, like, not the first thing on everyone's mind when they see Creighton on TV?
1: I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, that comes with the branding and with them taking advantage of having a transcendent player like Doug. Like, yeah. that, was, that was their introduction to the... Uh, like, Doug was their introduction to the mainstream big boy college basketball that yeah. breaking through that first year in the big East and making that run initially, obviously Doug, uh, is going to go down as one of the best college players of all time. Um, mm-hmm. he's going to land on a lot of those lists. Like they'll, will keep, he will keep Creighton relevant in those conversations. Um, and obviously he's still playing in the NBA right now. So, mm-hmm. and Creighton's done a great job of building off, built off that team branding the let it fly brand, even to the point where, this year, you still see um, lazy announcers kind of referring back to that brand, even though this team doesn't really. God, um, dude, seriously. <laughs> so like that credit to Creighton for that. That's what you need to do when you have a transcendent player. You need to capitalize it on every little bit of pub, that's every sick. little bit for recruiting of getting your name out there naturally. Like, it, like obviously, yes, you'd like to see each team get its own due for, for its own merits. And you'd like to see a couple of these other guys um, uh, get a little bit more love. But at the same time, Creighton is still relevant and it's a name because of Doug. And so, like, you you have to – I think you have to take the trade-off there a little bit.
0: Yeah. I haven't asked him, but I think Doug would, like, be on my side here. I think he's, like, sick of hearing about himself, too. Uh, I I think he's probably sick of watching these games going, all right, you know, that was, like, 10 years ago. We don't mention it every single time. I bet, you, I bet you he's especially sick of like when they mention his dad and they use his name. Like I bet you he's like getting real tired of that. Yeah.
1: I, I hope he <laughs> was uh, sitting at home watching like, the, the post-game coverage when that old uh, um, like Impractical Jokers show that oh he did God. with Lina's Cantor and Joey Stone <laughs> came on. I, I, I sat there and watched that entire thing just because it was so bad, but I couldn't turn the channel. Like why why does this exist? Why I hope this... he was watching that thinking at the same thing. Why did I do this? <laughs> All right. Yeah, we went long on that question. Let's uh let's try I us try think we really that. have any others.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we got a few, I think. Oh, I will run through them. Anyway, next question. Um Do you think the Jays have the time or ability to switch up defensive styles back to one similar to last season? Uh Fiesel seems a lot closer to Christian Bishop than Kaufbinner and could be effective attacking ball screens like they used to. Um, uh, so wait, is that a defensive question or an offensive question?
1: I think they're talking about defense with uh, playing uh, hedging instead of drop. Oh, hard hedge? Okay, gotcha.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I... I, I'm I don't think how so. Have they done with Ke- they a lot of hard hedging with Keech on this? I, I haven't noticed that I think he's be... been a little
0: bit foul prone in those situations, too. That's I exactly what I was going to say. Oh, you I don't understand. know. If they, they definitely don't want to do that, you know.
1: Yes. You
0: know. Yeah, you,
1: you can't honestly, afford to have the to. numbers
0: they have left, they probably will hit 2-3 zone the whole time, honestly. <laughs>
1: you I, have, yeah. You guys are in foul trouble, so I don't know. Yeah, That's something they're going to have to consider. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think. They're definitely going
0: to switch up the way they play those ball screens. But I don't know if they're going to go to hard hedging like they did with Christian and Martini.
1: No. Nah. Ultimately, what it is, it's going to put more pressure on those guards to get yes. through screens and to not get beat. Stay in front of the ball and everything like that. You're yeah. not going to have the same protection at the rim like yeah. if you're chasing. Um, so it's, it really is going to put a lot of pressure on everybody else. Right now, their defense is um, funnel everything to Kalkbrenner and just don't give wide open looks. And right now it's going to have to be a, a, a real five man effort where you're going to have to, it's going to be all about position kind of probably have to go back to some previous kind of versions of Creighton uh, where um, you're not, you're not gambling a ton. You're not like, you're not, you're just going to have to be sound, stay between your man and ball. And um, hope that y- you can kind of execute because they're not going to have that, uh, that, that safety, um, that safety measure at the back of the rim or at, at the rim waiting for um, anybody who gets beat to, to cover mm-hmm. for it. So it's going to put more pressure on everybody else, one through five. I'm sh- they're going to have to try some different things, whether they mix in whether there's some hedging, whether they mix in some zone, they're, they're going to have to change up some things because. What's, uh, make- Kansas
0: is up 31 with 10 and a half minutes left. Do you have synergy up? What's Kansas against the zone this year? <laughs> Kansas zone offense efficiency. Good question.
1: Uh, I am looking it up keep talking oh sorry um, yeah because I, I, would,
0: I would think that at some point I'd be surprised if Creighton doesn't play some zone because I think they're going to need to just
1: get zone 085 points for possession Ooh, that's not very high- good that's the like- low average Okay, against man, they're in the eighty-second percentile, point nine three one points per possession. All right, I know, I know the I know Creighton's coaching staff is seeing that and going, hmm. <laughs> they they've only played, they haven't even played zone on uh, against the zone five percent of their possessions. It's only a hundred and seven total possessions. But oh wow, really? So it's a small sample too, huh? Yeah,
0: hmm. I mean, obviously the thing that I bet you there. I mean, I'm sure the reason is because they probably offensive rebound the hell out of it. So. That's the, that's the thing you worry about. But yeah, I, I expect Creighton to, you know, throw the kitchen sink of defenses at Kansas on what's today? Today's Friday now, right? Saturday when they play.
1: Uh so well looking at it, uh looking at Creighton's page, they've played zone on two percent of their possessions, which yes, are exactly. forty-eight total possessions all year long. <laughs> they've been very good. I mean they've actually been better in man than they are zone, which is well they're, they're they're so. zone, there's zone, They're zone
0: one in the Marquette game in Milwaukee. So that's that was probably like fifteen and forty-eight right there. Yeah, they, um, how many how many possessions is overtime?
1: Eh, overtime was probably like seven or eight, wasn't it? So yeah, that was. Wow. Creighton gave up point seven nine six points per possession in man uh, this year, which is ninety first percentile. Yeah, they were so, that explains why they did not play very much zone.
0: Yes, yes, for sure. When you have Ryan Cockman, are you welcome? Dual penetration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't try to prevent it. Um, let's see. What's our next question here? Uh, the Goat Kim Adams chimes in. Over the course of the season, how has Trey Alexander evolved into a player capable of taking over games like we saw tonight? Yeah, I don't know. I think he just like he's a you know he's a hard worker, so he got better, right? And I think, I mean, you know this right because you're around a lot of these guys that you know are building you know they they're not finished products right so you know that hard work breeds confidence right like you under you 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 know that guys players you know derive a lot of their confidence from the work they put in when no one's watching and then the games are like just kind of showcases in some regard you know not that they're not difficult or challenging or they don't meet resistance in games in terms of their tendencies being taken away and things like that but um you know, the confidence comes from the work. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of this, you know, freshman class almost to a man is they work really hard. Like John Christopheles is a gym rat. Uh, Trey Alexander, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan nemhard They're all just like, they all just work. You know, they just love being in the gym. And I just think that's why you see him like he's not, like, he's not, he doesn't, shh, he doesn't blink, you know, he just looks unflappable. He's not always perfect, right? But you know, he's 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 always going to be there, like in the moment, ready to do, ready to make the right play. And I think that just comes from his work ethic, honestly. I don't. I mean, it, it, over, it, an overly simple, oversimplified answer, but I think that's kind of where it's based
1: on. And oh. I think he's kind of figured out like how to get to his spots a little bit better, like when and where um, he needs to be aggressive uh, compared to. Just kind of running things and moving the ball and yeah. getting other guys involved. Like he's really, he was pretty right
0: side, right hand heavy earlier, yeah. right? And now he's like getting to, he's
1: going left and right, finding that,
0: you know, getting to his kill spots. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And you like saw flashes like of the mid range. It was like maybe he would pull like one every other game or something like that. It felt like early in the season where um, there were stretches where games where he wasn't scored <laughs> at all. And other stretches where he's like, "Oh, dang, this kid's going to be pretty good." And down the stretch, um, it became a go-to move for him. He realized when and how to to get to that shot, um, and started knocking it down at a pretty darn good rate. And hit a huge one uh, in overtime in this game. Um, had that, that a little along the baseline there, um, kind of the pull-up, knocked that thing down. Um, so I, I think that's a little like he's. He's just kind of become more comfortable handling the ball and making plays. And by, necessi- by necessity, he's had to have the ball in his hand. And they've um, done a good job of, I, I think, obviously Ryan Hawkins had stepped up. Um, last couple he-, he struggled. But, like, he <laughs> – oh, the Dons. Step back three for the tie with 17 seconds left. Oh, shit. Um, you just told me to <laughs> do that, Jacob. Sorry, uh, kind of had to react live here. And I want to fill the, okay. I was going to say, I'm watching this. Uh, I want to fill the air. So we just don't have dead air, but um, all right. They called the timeout, nine seconds left. So we can finish this. Texas Southern is
0: within 23 with 734 left. So come back on. on Don't call it a
1: comeback. Yeah. Um, So uh, yeah, I think he's just through the experience. And he said, obviously the hard work and having success. Like he's had some of these games under his belt now. So he does feel more confident. Like, all right, this is my time. My team needs me. I'm gonna go make this play. Whereas earlier in the season, you've obviously you got Nemhard handling the ball a lot. You've got some other veterans on the team. He maybe didn't feel like, okay, this is my turn. Like this is this is my place to to step up here. And now because there is no one else, like you gotta go be the guy. And he's he's shown that he is that guy. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I just rolled through the rest of the questions. Uh, we've already talked about all of
1: them. So I don't really,
0: no disrespect anyway, they didn't get their questions read aloud, but I don't know really... we don't hear anything read aloud, aloud we already
1: answered them. I appreciate the questions though. <laughs> Thanks for everybody for reacting and chiming in. You can just um, go through like shout outs and like say individually name everybody who sent you questions that we've already answered. That's what you think I should do? I said you could, I didn't I didn't offer an opinion.
0: No, I think you. I think you just, that's what you said, so okay. Let's go through and do what Jacob thinks. It's his show, right? Uh, shout out James Parker for asking. Well, I guess this is what we did talk about. How many minutes does Devin Davis play on Saturday?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that is the question. So you've obviously got the six with uh, yeah. with yeah. Rati as the six man, assuming Fizel gets to start. Do they go to seven? And if so, who is it? Is it... <laughs> is it Devin is it Modestus or is it Sammy cuz those are the only three options only other three options at this point cuz they're That's not awesome. they're not pulling Mason Miller's red shirt like <laughs> you <know. laughs> could you ima- <laughs>
0: could you imagine I hope I don't
1: I can, uh, could you imagine though if he like the the legend like if he does like Tear off the warm-up yeah, and, and run the out there. He like
0: goes for thirteen and ten. Yeah, and he,
1: yeah, hits like a game winner to beat Kansas. Like, I think he, I think he'd, I think oh he'd trade God. that Take whole year of
0: eligibility. <laughs> God, there's someone's gonna now. Someone's gonna ask that as we this podcast. Like, do you think it could happen?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, who is the seventh? Well, oh, I, I think
0: it's Modestus, right? Because they got one five. They only have one five. Yeah. I mean, Keyshawn's going to need a break eventually, like
1: even just to like, you know, sit down and get a drink. So where are you setting the over-under for minutes for Keyshawn? 30. Ooh, you think he gets the 30? No, but that's where I'm setting the over-under. So you're taking the under on 30? Uh, Yeah, I would say like 30 is the mark that, that I, I would, like, set to that will shoot at and, like, you know, under over. Yeah. There you go. Man, it's tough, too, because, like, I don't think David McCormick is very good, but at the same time, like, he's a guy that can take advantage of mismatches. Right. So if you don't, like, if they do have to go like, and I'm, I'm thinking we'll probably see quite a bit of, like, between fouls or Keyshawn Stragwin of yeah. one of Hawkins or Kaluma at, at that five. I think, yeah. In regards,
0: I think between um, between potential foul trouble and likelihood that Kansas stomps the shit out of the Jays, Devin Davis yeah. will play some healthy minutes. So
1: yeah.
0: it'll be a good experience for him being in this tournament. So, I, yeah. Am I, am I crazy? Or like, are you are you seriously going into this like as a what if? Like, could they possibly pull it off again? Like, without Kawhi better for a full forty against Kansas? So
1: like, what I. What I was saying when we lost you, um, when you dropped off because the internet, I was saying uh, like, I'm going into this game with zero expectations. Like they're probably not you going into the game, game with zero
0: game. expectations. I'm going into expecting Kansas to be like full on like chewing up pieces of carcass. Like they're gonna.
1: <laughs> that's what I meant. Like okay. like I'm not expecting anything from Creighton. Okay. That, that's right. what I meant. Like, I'm being pretty realistic Like that, that Creighton
0: game. can celebrate tonight that they won a national championship because the odds are going to be ridiculous.
1: But would it totally shock you with what we've seen of this team if they at <laughs> least make it a game? That's like, true. I don't think they're going to win. I just don't see them having enough firepower, enough bodies to, to yeah. make it through a full 40-minute game. Okay, so here's the play. thing, though.
0: Like they, They've got to play well offensively because – the reason they've been able to, like, survive this thing is because their defense is super elite. But the reason their defense is elite is not going to be there on Saturday. Yeah. So they no longer have that, like, crutch. I know that's a stupid you yeah, thing dude. to say now with a knee injury involved. But, like, they, they're, Ryan Kalkbender allowed them to, you know, go through stretches where they weren't playing well offensive because they could lean on their defense and be tough to score on and then just, you know walk the ball up, take 20 seconds out of the shot clock, get downhill, make a play, find the big man, et cetera. Um, I don't know. Like their blueprint for Saturday has to be to bomb the hell out of KU from line, right?
1: And you kind of you, – you have to feel like like it, it's it got to be a bounce-back game for Ryan Hawkins, right? I do. <laughs> there's just, there's just yeah. no way that coming off of this game – like Kansas – They've got some good players. They're not going to be as handsy as physical, I don't think, as um, as San Diego State was. Um, yeah. They're they're a good offensive and defensive team, but um, I I don't know that their style would be the exact same. Like I feel like there will be more opportunities for Hawkins. And coming off of this game where it was a really rough one for him, like there's just no way he goes over from three again, right? Mm-hmm. Like going from. I just feel like he's gonna have a big game. Kaluma, hopefully, will have some chances to to make a few more plays. And if you get those guys going a little bit more, then who knows? You can hang around for a bit.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be oh god, Um, it's gonna be crazy. McCormick got swatted while you were talking, though, so I think that's like kind of like reinforces your point that you're not afraid of him. He got like, he had an easy dunk and he got rejected from behind on it. Not (laughs) a fan. Okay, so we're shouting out people who ask questions, right? Yeah. Rob Sims, how we answered that one. Thanks for the question, Rob. Um, Ryan Andrews, uh, how many teams down nine at the under four timeout go on to win with that? He posted the win probability. Um, What was ah. it? Uh, I'm trying to think where the. Well, I don't know where he marked the under four at. But it looks like San Diego State was kind of around 98% to win probability at one point. So I don't know, man. They did that. They're just incredible. I'm speechless. Like, I really am. I know I've talked for – we've talked for about two hours, I think, or 90 minutes or so, but, yeah, I just don't know how to explain this team anymore. They're incredible. They just – they just they just win. Dude. I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes you just run into a group of dudes who just, like, know how to win. Like, that's how you – that's how you describe them. Like, they're just winners. That's, that's what they do. They'll figure out a way. It won't always look the same. It won't always be pretty to watch. Like, you can't always, like, design it. It won't always go according to plan, but at the end of the day – you know, when the game's being decided, they'll have a chance and then they'll find a way. That's
1: just what they do. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Right? Uh, I was going to say it's not great because it's kind of your job to explain this team. So, not a great place to be in.
0: I know. I've run out of, I've run out of ways to explain it. How about that? Like, I used to, I, I thought it was because Brian, they had the defensive player of the year in the Big East and they were extremely hard to score on and they're just, they just know how to make tough baskets, um, you know, because they're skilled dudes. But then they didn't have the biggest defensive player of the year. (laughs) when they made this comeback. So now I'm just like, I don't know, man. Keyshawn Beazell made a couple of great defensive plays. Um, Trey Alexander made some tough ass plays offensively. Uh, Alex O'Connell kept him in the fight. Like Arthur Kaluma was a, was a, a beast when they needed him to be. Um, yeah, I don't know. And shout out Ryan Hawkins for getting that strip in the first place. Like, he stole, he's the one who knocked that ball loose for Kaluma to catch it and lay it in when the timeout was being called. So that's a big play by him, too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Seems just different. Um, he also wanted to ask how many are any managers suiting up on Saturday? I don't, I don't think the managers are that good this year. I don't. I think the practice, I think they, the Flan practice squad team would beat them again. I don't know if they played this year, though. I don't know. Flan's practice squad is pretty tough, though. They have like some physical dudes. Mm.
1: Uh, hey, Chuck, he uh, he uh, can't bring any size, but. Kid can shoot. Oh, I had a and prep, Jeff Kubsky. Okay. All right. I uh, coached him for one summer in uh, OSA.
0: Nice. Um,
1: I said Max sure was, but might Trey Alexander
0: have been snubbed in Big East Freshman of the Year voting? I'll hang up unless no, Ryan Nemhard is <laughs> easy freshman of the year in the league. Yeah, man, I don't know. That's about it. What you got? Anything else on your mind,
1: Jacob? No. I I think we've kind of worked our way through it.
0: Yep. So the Jays are off to the round of 32. um, And Kansas is up by a million points on Texas Southern, so...
1: Why are you watching <laughs> that game Matt? this it, San Francisco Murray State game is straight fire First of all, Jacob, you know, shot mean, shot I'm in a hotel
0: and I, I'm in a hotel in Iowa City and when I hit guide to find another game, there's no other games on. Like there's no
1: It's on CBS.
0: I don't they have that I don't know where CBS
1: is at on this
0: thing. I don't know where it's at. Like, you know, it would take me too long to find so I just kept it up. Shout out John Niatala though. Fugitive is on AMC. It's always on AMC. But. Damn, it's not from 10 to 1. have having a boatload of commercials. Oh my God. Fugitive for three hours. That's dragging it on. The CBS, uh, USF, and um, yeah. Marie State. Yeah.
1: 90 seconds left <laughs> in overtime, one-point game. and All right, I'm my way, too. Trading oh, haymakers. Are they really? Yeah. San so Francisco
0: lost their best player before. Or the, the best player uh, their best
1: life. big guy, not their best player. Best oh, not guy. their best player? The best. Third leading scorer and leading rebounder. That sounds like the best player. Uh, they got two other guys that scored more than him. Their guards are pretty good.
0: I didn't say best scorer. Okay, so I'm all the way back to the Fugitive Valley not see CBS. Maybe they don't have CBS anymore. All right.
1: All right. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this podcast up so I can see the end of it.
0: You time. told me to find the game. I was trying to... Help. I did not realize it would be that difficult. I was trying to do what you said. I, there's a bunch of nonsense on this guy. I don't know what's on it. Um, all right. Uh, Shout out to anybody who's reached the end of this podcast. <laughs> we appreciate you for listening. Uh, we appreciate your questions. Um, I appreciate Jacob Adilla for coming on uh, as a last-minute replacement for Jordan Scurry, um, who was just in you know emotionally distraught. I talked to him before we started recording. <laughs> he's not in any condition. Bro, I can't do this. I can't do yeah. this. <laughs> he, was, he was not in any condition to uh, give takes. So uh, he's you know he's processing things. Um, the man bleeds blue. I can't, you know. I, you got to. He has to be in a certain frame of mind to uh, to do this. So he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. Um, but shout out, Jace Kerr. Uh We'll get our we'll get our end of season um, opinions on a podcast soon. Um, but yeah, thank you, Jacob, for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for your questions and comments. Um, make sure you subscribe to the White and Blue Review Network on iTunes. So you get this podcast when it drops live uh, and hit up white and the for all of our coverage post game and um, for the rest of the um, opening weekend in Fort Worth and in Iowa city, the women kick off tomorrow or later. Yeah. Tomorrow it's still 1130. Okay. Tomorrow um, we got to Colorado in the first round of the women's exhibit tournament at Carver Hawkeye arena. So, Make sure you're following along. Um, he's Jacob Badilla. I'm Matthew Marinus. Thank you all for tuning in. Talk to you soon.